Modern R&B Mix Show. I am the DJ. I am the host. I am Ja Prince. Welcome to Love Ultra Radio. We have a special guest. Um, who is Vanetta Schofield? Please introduce yourself to our audience. What's up, everybody? My name is Vanetta Schofield. I'm a comedian, producer, host, brand strategist, but most of all, I'm an entrepreneur and the founder of Funny Honeys LLC. Okay, okay. I like that right there. For, for those who don't understand, just being funny, okay. Being a professional comedian, um, let's take it back. How long have you actually been a comedian? So, all right, I take comedian the title very seriously. And although I have been doing stand-up for six years now, I do not consider myself to be a full-fledged comedian. I think I'm a funny entrepreneur. And that is where I'm at with it right now. And I'm becoming a comedian. I like it. I like it. There you go. Straightforward, Vanessa Feel Love Ultra Radio. Now, tell us more about Funny Honeys. Because not everybody who's an entrepreneur getting into comedy starts on a website and a movement. So what is Funny Honeys? So I've always wanted to, I've always been a feminist. And I've always wanted to empower women. I've always been an outspoken woman, right? And so Funny Honeys is basically the the end result of me having a big mouth in comedy and not wanting to stroke egos or stroke other things to perform. So I was like, I got to create my own way. I got to create my own thing. So I just, you know, it just naturally happened. That's not how I birthed the name of Funny Honeys. Funny Honeys was actually the name of my birthday show. Oh. So I had been producing a comedy show for six months prior. My birthday was coming up. And it was a regular show that I was producing. But I was like, it's my birthday. What am I do? I want to name it like something. I want to have like bad chicks telling jokes. So everybody pulls up. Dudes be there. You know? So I was like, that's what we're going to do. But what am I going to call it? I'm going to call it Funny Honeys. So that's nice. that's how that started. That's how the name started and the movement just listen, I gotta do this because um, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I like it, I like it. And for those who don't understand, again, it wasn't always as easy. You definitely believed in yourself and you said, All right, this is what I want to promote. This is how I want to get my name out there. This is how I want my brand to look. So funny honeys, right after that birthday um event. How long did it turn into like, nah, this is a business I'm running with? So it took about, okay, so I start August 14, 2017 was the first Funny Honeys. And the funny thing about it was I had just lost my apartment at the time. Well, I didn't even have an apartment. I was renting a room. It's New York. Let's be real. <laughs> like I was renting a room and I lost that. Yeah, you gotta be doing bad to lose a room. <laughs> so I had, I had just, um, it was a promoter. Um, she stayed in the Bronx, deep in the Bronx, and I was in Harlem. I lived around the corner from my venue that I ran my show, and I worked at the bar right around the corner. So I had made it, you know. But I lost, I lost a lot of things because I prioritized performing, and you know, I was, I wanted to get better, and I just got so lost in the sauce of performing. I was like, oh, I, this isn't sustainable yet. So you know, I'm a year and a half in. So anyway, long story short, I lost some spot, and that night I was staying with a promoter that lived in the Bronx, sleeping on her air mattress, 
And because of that, now that show was so popping. That first show, popping. I mean, I have, like, I'm going to send you the picture so you can do the little thing with show up on the screen of the net worth of that photo. Because I had Paris Sachet, Carrie Overfat it. I had Amina Amani. Like, I had amazing women who have, like, all of these, like, impressions. They on Showtime. They on everything now. They were at my show. So if I would have kept doing that show, it would have been bigger even then. But because I had lost my spot, I had to get a job. I had to kind of start over and comedy a little bit. I, I was off stage for maybe like six weeks because I had to work my way out of that situation. So long story short, it took me six months to produce another Funny Honeys. And then I started to build that momentum again. And then after that, I started to build that momentum. I started to spend some money, started brand building. So I was like, you know what? This is an investment. This is something that I'm serious with this. So I LLC'd it January 2019. That's what I like. That's what I like. Um, we're going to go back and forth. So fast forwarding right now, there's a 1865 comedy festival. So not a birthday show, tribute, annual fundraiser, pay my mortgage. How did we get all the way to 1865 comedy festival? Man, you know, brands evolve. Like, shout out to the platform that has evolved. Shout out to you as an artist that he's evolved. I'm sure you have. So, you know, brands evolve. And, you know, Funny Honeys is like my firstborn. Like, I try to take my time with her. I try to do all this with her. But then, you know, that, that youngest, just, you just something about that. That, that, that baby that you got it right with, you know? Right. And 1865, it, it was uh, the end of, it was 2020, right with George Floyd. And, you know, I had already built Funny Honeys to be, I'd already profit like partnered with nonprofit. Mm -hmm. I had already like been in that advocacy space and mm -hmm. done those other events that were just like empowerment through entertainment. So I'd already done that with women. And when George Floyd happened and I saw the response and I saw the lack of education about Juneteenth, I was like, these men don't know nothing. And then we're, and then I saw also just the huge popularity of these shows that happened, like a lot of producers, a lot of white producers started producing Juneteenth shows. My homeboy like paid his rent for six months off just the Juneteenth shows that were happening. And they were like, almost like white guilt, if you will. Like, you know, it was just like, oh, we feel really? guilt. Man, June, being black is hard. Come get $200. <laughs> and black, well, why my black comics were so busy for it. So I was like, you know what? I want to do something that's sustainable. I want to do something that's not just, oh, I feel bad that I I, yeah. I, I have guilt about this or this is a holiday that now I'm recognizing. You know, I wanted to do something. So 1865, the name of the brand symbolizes the year that slaves were freed. However, in 2022, we have a lot of black artists that are consistently providing free labor. There is a gap in the education in general for artists. And a lot of artists are not gaining those and implementing those entrepreneurial skills. So I created 1865 as a brand to also be a festival, but to really educate the public and educate the black comedian, um, the intermediate black comedian that is really good, maybe five, 10 years in, doesn't necessarily have a website, doesn't necessarily have all these things to get in book. They got some local stuff, but how are we going to get to that state and national level? So 1865 is the brand to help you build that while you get stage time. That's what's up. That's what's up. Can't tell it any better, ladies and gentlemen. Our um, guest right now, Miss Fanetta Schofield. Now, again, 
you know what I'm saying? You know, being a DJ, you know, that ain't hard. You know what I'm saying? Now everybody's a blogger, so they're journalists. But <laughs> as a comedian, is it hard or difficult to make people laugh? Like, it's not that hard. Is it hard? That's so funny. So, okay, I will say some are naturals and some are naturally funny. I will say making people laugh isn't hard, but doing comedy doing stand-up, now that's different, you know? And so many people, you know, you got class clowns, you know, some people that's like, oh, people say I should be a comedian. Just that natural energy that, right. I, I get that so much, right? So that is one thing. But the art of comedy, doing it, like giving it the respect it deserves, getting those 10,000 hours of mastery for the craft, yeah. Becoming universally funny where you're not just performing for people that look like you, but people who don't understand you. And then figuring out what part of your joke didn't work for them because you tell it like you. Yeah. You can only tell it like you. Yeah. So to learn how to tell it for them, for everybody, that, that's hard as fuck. <laughs> um, and for, for those who don't understand, it's like like you said, the, the 10,000 hours, the mastery um, in this this, this world that we're living in now, our young people and some, you know, we're changing our, our career goals. And now we want to get into something like that. But they heard, nah, you got to do your own material. You got to tell your own story. Majority of that is true. But do you write all your material or you get some assistance? No, I write everything. I write everything. And that's the thing. For most comedians to make it to the point where somebody even helps them write, they got to put in a lot of time on their own. Now, there is a, you know, let me run this joke by you, colleague or situation. Like, we can yeah. easily brainstorm. You know, we sitting around for a little you know, like, you know, ragging on each other. It's something that might come as a roast that I might be able to add, make a joke. So yeah. I think there's a, a definitely a mix of experiences, what's being said, you know, all that. But there's no, like, I'll write this joke for me. I like help me finish this joke. Like literally, no. Yeah. Um, and I think when it gets to the point of writing and having a writing team, you got to be like up there. Yeah. And that's the crazy part because that's when it gets easier. Because that's when you do have people that write for you and give you jokes. You know what I mean? Right. And you like, oh, let me pay for that. You know, Robin Williams was known for stealing jokes and paying for them on the spot. Yeah, right. Like, oh, I like that joke. I'm a, how much you want for it? Yeah. Don't ever say it again. Yeah. Straight up. So, you know, that happens, but that's only after you've really put in that work and that time to get that, to have the money to do that and to have the status to be like, well, that's my joke, <laughs> you I know? I like it, I like it. And in the same way, being one of these funny honeys out here and working and, and we're, like you said, not always in your most comfort zone because I got to get out on the road. I got to test it with some new audiences and some new venues, bigger stage, smaller clubs. Have you, have you been heckled? Like, is that something you've got to get heckled at least once? Oh, my God. I get heckled. I get heckled in real life. I feel like this isn't heckling, but this is one of my biggest pet peeves and why I said I'm a fun honey is because, like, I'll check in for a show or I walk up, you know, and I'm like, hey, you know, where the comics at? You know, one of the comedians. You a comedian? You too pretty comedian. And one of my worst hecklers actually at birth like a little joke on on the spot, like, and it was a thought I always had, but it wasn't until I was heckled that I was able to like articulate it as a joke. Right. It was a great experience. 
shout out to Brooklyn Moon. Amazing venue. Best jerk chicken and mac and cheese with Austin. And uh, it was a show called Black Light. And I go up and I was just talking about like being at my job and working at a gluten-free restaurant. And I was talking about like having benefits and stuff at my job or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I was making a joke because it was a restaurant. Like, yeah. I don't have benefits at a restaurant. But I'm like, I'm the only black girl at my job, right? And I'm just like, I got benefits. I was like, I'm just lying, it's a restaurant. And so like someone talked over my joke and a woman said, and you light skin. And she just threw it at me. Like, and you know, we're in Brooklyn. So bar full, bar packed. And everybody's like, oh. <laughs> and I was like, hold up, hold up, hold up. And this is right around the time uh, Listen Linda came out. I was like, listen Linda, listen Linda. I was like, don't get, don't get mad at me, all right? Give, listen, it's not my fault. My great, 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 grandma knew how to suck it. Yo, grandmama should have got with it, bitch. What's up? That's it. That's the only. That's what happened. So good for those who may not know you, and those who be like, like, hold on. I know she sounds a little bit like that. She's a little edgy, like this. So that might come from some of your favorite and most relatable comedians. Like, so who would be your top two or top three? Like, that's really my voice. It's not me, but I really like those comedians. Honestly, like, because of me growing as an artist, I would not say I have a full developed comedic voice. I'm not going to say that. And I, I take comedy very seriously. I've studied it a lot. You know, I'm more of a student to the game and like, you know, went to UCB, Upright Citizens Brigade. I took comedy classes. You know, I've developed comedy courses. Um, and I look at it from more of a scholastic point of view. Um, but I will say someone I really admire and a voice I would like to grow into is uh, probably different than what you expect, but Ali Wong. Really? Ali Wong, bro. Like she is... She's like a, she's like just a firecracker, but like very articulate about it. Yep. And she has yep. a certain energy that is herself. Like she packs a mighty punch, you know? It's and then for her to do like two specials pregnant and then to do a special talk exactly. about it. She don't even like her husband no more. Like she won't eat. That just sounds like some shit I would do. Right. <laughs> like, so I just, I, I like her. Um, And, but I will say my biggest influence and my biggest comedy comedian that I want to be like or emulate is Lucille Ball. Ooh, that's a boss. She was the first boss of comedy, you know, first production company. And the way she bossed up was just like, what you going to do? I'm Lucille Ball type. You know what I mean? And like, I think that all of the, because I've been in comedy, you know, six years stand up, but I've, you know, my first internship was for comedians that are now on TV. You know what I mean? Like I was, I was the leader of the group. Chico Bean was like one of the members. He wasn't the leader. And I was the intern for that group. So yeah. I interned for them back in Greensboro, North Carolina. Shout out to Freestyle Funny Comedy Show. You know, I was working their comedy shows. And so I've, I've learned the business side of that prior to. But, you know, for Lucille Ball to, like, do everything that she did prior to getting her show deal, when she sat at that table, she was like, yo, I want my husband to play my shit. Like, I That's want right. my husband to play the lead. Yeah. He didn't speak, to be really respectful, he was the first nigga of the industry. He didn't speak Straight English. Up. He was Straight cute. Up. No, no, I blame Yo, I'm like English, and he the lead on CBS. Yeah. You know, she did that, and she was the only woman, that first woman to have her baby on TV. She had her baby. She got pregnant, still kept working, had the baby on damn air. Who does that? 
Like, I ain't seen no other chick do that. So until you can at least Lucille Ball, I, I, that's who I rock with. Like, that's, that's just it. like, you know, and Desi Lou went on to be one of the production companies of Star Wars. Seriously. Desi, like, seriously. Like, and people don't even think about that. Like, she escalated from comedy into big money, one of the biggest, you know, franchises of film, mm -hmm. just in mm -hmm. general. So that's like. just something to admire, bro. And like I said, moving around the country, a little East Coast, a little West Coast, North and South, um, where have been some of your most memorable stand-up gigs? Like you said, like to put in the work or to get the most raw, you know, reaction from the crowd? Honestly, so one of my favorite gigs, I will say performing at Caroline's is one of the best experiences. Caroline's on Broadway. Yeah. Not even just because I performed at Caroline's, because they give you some bomb food, bro. Like, you go in the green room, they take care of you. You go to the green room, you get some good food, you get the drinks. You just really feel like, I'm at Caroline's on Broadway. I'm a real comedian, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> um, I will say, like, one thing that I really applaud myself on, one thing I really think every comedian should be is universally funny. So, it's not a region or something that I performed at. I started in New York. But one of my favorite nights of comedy was I had, it was a Saturday night and I had two paid gigs. I had a performing for Masonic Lodge in Harlem, right. 200 theater. You know, I featured there, um, amazing set. And then I went to <laughs> Soho and I had the White Women Cannabis Club, like just white women, just hot. It's Cootie Brown, like asked to be blunt while I'm performing, you know, mm -hmm. and just to have two back-to-back -back shows like that, two completely different audiences, right. still be funny, still be able to be myself and reach right. people, like that is a very memorable night for me in comedy. And that's something that I want more comedians to kind of tap into because there's a lot of people that just stick to their demographic or what they know. But success is when you leave your comfort zone, you know? And I will say, yes, I've done, that's a memorable night, but I started in New York. I'm originally from North Carolina. I've moved home multiple times by myself, you know, started my first business in Florida. You know, I've moved so much and sacrificed so much moving out by myself, really not having maybe three months on me, soaking wet. Three months I could take care of myself. You know Amen. what I mean? That entrepreneurship, that grind, that hustle, just pushing myself into those limits, you know, being in yeah. these different cities has really been what I would attribute to a lot of my success because you build on, on those moments, you know? I like it. I like it. Building on those moments, making sure you connect a couple of dots. Maybe you miss that person, you know, you miss one of those, but everything else still fell in line. Um, and, and that means just like you said, working in the writing room, working um, as an assistant um, to others that have made it and they didn't turn their back on you. You know, they probably didn't answer, but they didn't turn their back on you. No, they so, turned their back. I just ain't yeah. asking nothing yet. I'm waiting for a big ass. That, I'm like, that's what I'm about to say. Dollars. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm about to say. There's still some people that you really do know that you might want to work with, right? So we're going to, as they say, speak it into existence, right? So who would you like to work with that you haven't worked with yet? This is going to sound crazy, but I really want to put, like, I got a few comedians from my 1865 fest that I want to put in their first movies and like to be real with you like I don't really want to work with nobody that's like famous right now like I do but I want to put the people that I make famous in a movie with other famous people 
that part. Like that is so much more important to me. Like mm. making niggas famous. That's that's my that's my dream, you know. Like having the talent, being able to touch, groom a little bit, you know what I mean. Provide like just a little. Let me fix your collar. You ready? Yeah. But let me let me get you ready, ready. Let me give you a little motivation. Let me give you a little opportunity. Let me get you ready, ready, and then let me provide a stage for you for that. That's that's my mission. That's my goal. And honestly, that's because that's not other people's goal. Like I think that that's why my goal is the best. Cause like. That's what we need, bro. Like we need. It's so many other people that have that, and if we really did just take that time, that opportunity to do that for the people that are just like right there. I like it. I like it. She's doing it. She's doing it. Um, she's right here on Love Ultra Radio. Um, we're trying to get down to some of the nitty gritty. We always got to ask some of these difficult questions, and you know, part of the media. So we got to, you know, try to figure out tap the brain, you know what I'm saying? We know that the the funny business has changed, right? Yes. Pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, George Floyd, we spoke, we touched on the world, smaller and more connected. So the funny business has changed. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the thing that has changed the most? We talking about getting paid, the different crowds, jokes aren't the same, clean versus dirty. What do you think in the funny business has changed the most? I think that there has been no systems and processes and there has, I don't think there's ever been an infrastructure for comedy. So as times change, as rates change, as inflation, as things run, there has been no systems and no checks and balances in place. And we see that from the Monique and D.L. Hughley situation. For a promoter to fix their face and be able to confuse something like that. And it really ultimately be their fault that there was a little tussle in the bustle because he said two headliners. For there right. to be a system that is not set in place where there's one headliner per show, that's a prime example of the biggest issue is that nothing has changed in the system. Like there's no human resources for comedy. You can call somebody a janky promoter all you want. What is it gonna do? They already took your money or they already didn't pay you. Right. And then blacklist you. So, you know, it's 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 the fact that, you know, the social media, of course, has changed. The way that you market yourself has changed. Mm -hmm. All of these things for artistry have changed. But comedy is so far stuck behind, you know, in those areas to where even the payment system, even the, it's hard to catch up with all of that. Oh. Beautiful answer. Thank you very much right there. Um, the same way we got to talk about comedy. Comedy is still going good, making money. Not for everybody. But um, what grade would you give comedy? Like, man, look at comedy. You can't even feed yourself. Get an F. Or it's like, no, you do it right. Comedy is like an A. Honestly, it is. it does depend on how you do it. Because I'm acing this shit. <laughs> like, comedy is something you can ace. But overall, the industry, um, probably give it a C. And I think I would give it that class clown, C minus, like barely passing, you know, barely passing, but only because you're funny. Like, I'm going to just pass you because you bring some joy to my life, but you do not pay attention. You don't listen, you know? Yeah. And you, yeah so that, yes. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I guess here we only got it for a couple more minutes. 
um, there's advice that you would give to just pure comedians. Like you said, a lot of them have put in their 10,000, but they look into you to help them with some things. So what advice uh, have you learned or that you would like to give to anyone who's really talented and starting in this, this industry? If you're really talented, um, well, the best advice I ever got, promote and be funny. It was the most simplest thing, you know, because everybody focuses on being funny and they want to just get booked. But if you're promoting yourself and if you promote the shows you're on, you're going to get more shows. If you're building, if you're promoting, you're building an audience. So you're funny and you have an audience. Who's going to play with you if you have both? Right. Some of us have an audience and they're just not funny and I'm going to just book you because you're going to bring some people. Or some of us are funny and I'm going to book you because you're funny, but you ain't bringing nobody. <laughs> so if you do both, you're going to win and you will ace it. You know, and I that those are the things that I've done. And I haven't even promoted myself so heavy, but the marketing be all right. So when you see it, you see it. You see it. I know. I got I got, I got to talk to follow up to that. Tell us about the word content. How much content are you working on or you got stored in the hard drive or I done took mad personal videos? I gotta get on social media three times. What's the word content mean to you or a comedian? So content is everything these days, huh? Um, I have my personal, my Funny Honey's Dropbox has about 350 gigs. And I have, I've documented the whole entire first festival. I'm actually working on a documentary with 1865 that we'll be releasing. Um, I definitely have, uh, I've written an ebook that says you should document your dope as an artist that's like that's my favorite chapter of my ebook document your dope and it just can even be behind the scenes of you even all of my clients i'm like bro just put up a camera of you writing a joke like do the put the process of the notebook or the pieces of paper people want to see the process so mm -hmm. content is so important just even in the actual finished product but in the process and i think every artist and every person just in general Kid, kid, you know, really um, learn from that. But content for me, programming, you know, organizing, setting up the cameras, just letting people be themselves, you know, like the real reality shows, those are what I'm going to bring to the game. So that's why I have all this content. <laughs> that's how we, we need to know the same way you're putting the, the, the pieces together for a major project like that. You're still working on the professional part of the comedian or you just, hey, we're going to take this festival on the road. What is officially what's next? We know 1865, a comedy festival is coming up. Is that what's next? But what's next right after that? The honeycomb. It is what's next. And the honeycomb is my digital product or digital platform for the creative artist. I am currently filming this at Mixed Deity Studios. Um, we are based in... It's a nonprofit based in Atlanta, um, Southeast Atlanta, right by Grant Park. And I have been a new addition to the scene. It's for pretty much any creative. And I, I've found the pain point of most creatives is learning that skill and also being able to monetize, right? Mm -hmm. Like, even if you have learned that skill, you're still behind everybody else that does it better than you that's already getting paid for doing it. Yeah. Uh, and I know that all too well. <laughs> so with the honeycomb, it's a digital space, it's an app. And um, I'm sure when this drops, you can download it. So 
download the Honeycomb app uh, on all platforms. And yeah, so we will be having, of course, I am leading the comedy channel with all of my gigs and all my content and festival and all the things you can access. Um, but then there's also going to be an avenue for other creators to submit so that you can monetize and that you can develop on your own and, you know, be your own boss and put out your own content. You know? That's good. All about networking, being um, progressive. Let's move this thing forward, forward culture forward. Um, and like I said, we have these platforms, just like you said, nonprofit organizations, a charity. Maybe there's some friends and families out there. We now have platforms. So is there one major charity or even minor charity that no one's ever heard of that hey you know what i should probably tell some people like yo if you got a couple of dollars you know what i'm saying you might want to give it to this charity or organization well i mean when i look in my purse uh <laughs> you can donate this charity right here the service no um no but i would say um i have a social justice cause with pretty much every event that i do and um, in October, we always do highlight breast cancer awareness. I typically, my event is about domestic violence awareness. And not that I don't have the, I just haven't had the bandwidth to do both. And I think that there's a lot more shine on the titties, which I mean, let's save them. Yes, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But it's somebody getting punched in them right now that don't have Crazy. Yeah. It's somebody that just can't leave that situation. And you know, I've never been physically abused, but I, I did grow up and I do have an ACEs score of 10 of my childhood and my neglect and my mental and verbal and physical abuse that I endured. And I know what that's done to me and my mentality and my outlook and women in general suffer from domestic violence a lot more than men. And 92% of like the murders that happen, you know, like are from intimate partner violence. So um, in, in relationships, you know, they, they, they were together. So, yeah, like um, that's a cause that I always want to support. And um, Still Standing is a nonprofit that's based in Atlanta. And I'm very uh, Still Standing Foundation. I'm very partial to it because I volunteered within my first summer of actually being an intern at, uh, you know, at the radio station. We drove down for Greensboro, her sister. We drove down. And so it's her organization, but we volunteered and. I met people there and I was like, I love Atlanta. Yeah. So it's like, it inspired me to see the networking and everything in Atlanta and a great event. So I support that foundation and she's a domestic violence survivor that, you know, advocates. So seeing this strong woman build a foundation also motivate me to see what she's built with her foundation. You know, I have a special place in my heart for still standing. That's right. Putting the pieces together, um, staying very well grounded, Putting in that extra volunteer time, regardless of what else you're doing, is like, nah, make it have a purpose. Make it yeah. make sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I like it right there. There's a lot of people that want to start following you and supporting you. So where's the first place that they should um, get in touch with you about the 1865 Comedy Festival? And then where do they need to find you? They're going to want some counseling and the e-books e and everything. Yeah, so funnyhoneys.com is the place for everything. Funny Honeys, we got a little flavor, so it's H-U-N-N-Y-Z.com. Um, you can find the 1865 page. You can find our creative brand services. If you hit a little slash and you put Honey V, H-U-N-N-Y-V, that's my personal page. Um, when you do slash for the honeycomb, that is that artist's page. And 
Funny Honeys is the umbrella that we stand under, and I'm very happy to have created it. And y'all come see me over there. Um, my Instagram is just my name also, but you can also find us on Funny Honeys and Instagram, Facebook, all that shit. Yeah, right? She's a funny honey right there. Love Ultra Radio. Before we let anybody go further, I know you like rap music. You be eating those Philly cheese steaks. You know what I'm saying? You got there. But there's something that you love ultra. That ultimate love. I don't care what it is in the world. It touches my spirit. It gives me purpose. What do you love ultra? Well, to keep it in the same vein, I love percussion in a very like a either a jazzy or a housey kind of way and in the creative in me I listen to my best work shifts are from really amazing up tempo house where I can just like my brain can to the beat or like some jazz where it's like a that house that jazz that that is just everything to me. And it really gets me going and it helps in, invigorate me for all my other activities. So I would say one thing I love is a good beat, a good percussion, a good, good beat. That gets her through the day right here. This is only the first truversation. We're not going to call it a conversation. The first truversation right here, Love Ultra Radio with Miss Vanetta Schofield. Thanks for taking the time, young lady. Thank you so much for the opportunity.